Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Do I have feathers now? That was an interesting sensation. I think Jack just had an orgasm. I didn't like your O face. It made me feel uncomfortable. It just slides down. No, no, not that one, Red. Not that one. It's the next Why thing. Why did I tie myself to this again? Honey crowns? Honey crowns? You have to miss the honey crowns. I think it shows his character, though. I found it very accessible. Have you ever cooked on a fire end elemental? And it's got jam on it. He just said he killed the chieftain. I'll jump on the other side. Don't let it tip over. <laughs> yeah. Did you have to wear your cleats today? It is ice in here. Sorry, I for, I forgot about that. His battle cleats. Hey, hey. 
Welcome back to Dice Shame. This is episode 112, Gong Show. MVP goes to Discord user Malaxes, who recently had a nasty time in the hospital and used Dice Shame to help pass the time. Glad you're feeling better, buddy. Yeah, get well soon. Dice Shame has been picked up as the early selection in the fiction podcast slash actual play category for the New Jersey Web Fest. We're delighted to be first pick and can't wait to see how many hundreds of trophies we win, if any. Thanks to the New Jersey Web Fest and thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks everyone. All right, shall we do this? Yeah, let's do it. So you're standing on top of the promontory, looking out over the ice cavern, glimmering in the light from campfires below. The voice, representing itself as knowing the will of the ancestors, has spoken to you, Jack, and given you another task. Kill Wormblood, the chief of the tribe. As the spirit quits speaking to Jack in his mind. He's rooting around through his pouch to find this token from Wormblood that we had acquired earlier and and just starts talking out loud to the statue so everyone can hear uh, and just starts telling the story of visiting the Oracle and going into that room and finding this white dragon and these members of the tribe trying to break it down and how we'd encountered them. And And Red nudges him. He points down to all the onlookers who They're have like, listened what? to this whole story. Well, he said, I tell everybody. What is <laughs> this hilarious I mean, image of him being like, when we killed the chieftain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering, is this conversation happening in your head? Because we can't hear the voice. No, no. no so so you, right. the, the voice telling him what is in his head. But once he pulls out the, the token from the chief, he's telling the story yeah, to the statue, but out loud so that everybody can hear it. Um, mm-hmm. But not everybody. The four of us in the immediate vicinity. Most people. But they don't. They don't speak our language. Oh, that's right. They don't speak. Yeah. Well, Kevin does. Well, Kevin can know if she can hear from sixty feet, eighty feet above on Pride Rock. That's not that far, actually. The acoustics in here are amazing. Jack, even if you are speaking in like a moderate voice, so that you know your companions all arrayed within thirty feet of you can hear, mm-hmm. it's not going to echo down in a clear way to the floor of this yeah. chamber. I can read lips. He just said he killed the chieftain. <laughs> <laughs> Brought here, speaking honestly, tells the truth to this spirit. Did we learn its name was Elrom at some point? Elrond. Elrom. Elron Hubbard, I believe. Hubbard. <laughs> Elrom Hubbard. I have E L R O M, but maybe I was a wrong name. Elrem. You were told that that is the great worm. Mm. Mm. Let me let me let me jump back for a minute. Uh if 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 you don't mind. Um Jack arrives at <laughs> Nightstone. And yeah. when he gets there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jack stops for a minute and and like pulls in, goes into his peg and is looking through it and he's like, where's this brooch? I just threw it to the kid and like pulls out this this brooch that he got off of Wormblood and, and just starts talking out loud to the statue so everyone can hear uh, and just starts telling the story of visiting the Worm tribe at the Oracle and what we saw them doing and um, how we have slain this chieftain. And uh, I put the, the brooch down sort of at the, the base of this mm. altar as, as a bit of an offering and, and step back. And then in your head, you hear, A token offered shall be rewarded. And you are overcome by a warm feeling, mm. as if a sensation of feathers are brushing your face, your arms, your torso, your legs. It's very pleasant. And you have been blessed with a charm. You hear, 
You are touched by the spirit of Elrim, the great world. Yeah. All of us? Just Jack. Oh. Uh, Jack <laughs> stands up and takes a, takes a, a step back for a minute. Uh, and looks looks around at at himself just to to be like, am I what what exactly does that mean? Trying to assess like, do I have feathers now? That was an interesting sensation. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Doran turns the krill up and says, "I think Jack just had an orgasm." <laughs> <laughs> he looks awfully odd. It was divine o- orgasm. What? Oh Kraloth. Oh no. Oh buddy, hmm? you have the charm of restoration. Jack. Amazing. Beautiful. Yes, there you go. <gasps> Greater restoration, Jeebus. Yeah, you know what we should do? We should get Jack trapped in stone again. Oh, wait, <laughs> <Yeah. no. laughs> so Jack feels this this restorative charm uh, in, infused in his body, not not unlike the awful bits of like stone giant stuff that infused him the last time he had a weird encounter with a thing. I think there's a, a part of his brain that's like categorizing all the different magics that that infect him and he's as he sort of maps out how it feels inside him and this one is definitely way more positive and interestingly draconic Hmm. what does it do what did you learn jack what it do though (laughs) what it do though uh yeah jack you all right doran says you look like you had an orgasm whatever that is yeah oh kraloth (laughs) (laughs) um you remember that spell that broke the curse that was in the ring yeah I think the spirit that lives here just gave me a power a little bit like that. Um, the ability to, to break curses and, and restore people. Restore people? Wait a minute. That means we could go back to that stone giant that we found and, and bring that elf back to life. Remember? Oh, yeah. Like in episode 13 <laughs> or something? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's been a long time, but I keep really detailed notes. Like... 30 months ago. Yeah. I mean, I, in real yeah. life, but in... That was before Simba became an adult. <laughs> <laughs> two, three months ago. I remember that like it was two years ago. That's right. No, remember, there was an elf, and he was he was trapped in the stone giant, despite we killing him. That's right. We needed greater restoration to bring him back. I, I think that should be something we do, the poor guy. If we do pass by that area in our travels, I definitely agree. It's not far once we get to... Waterdeep, I don't think it's... I mean, think about this. Imagine if that were Jack still trapped in the stomach of that stone giant. I've been there, and it's unpleasant, and the sooner we can rescue this poor soul, the better. Mm. Agreed. Jack's going to try to reach out to Elrem and and just sort of say, we're on a quest to save as much as we can of of this part of the world, and and that hanging artifact down there might help us do that. I, I would hate to ask for one more blessing after you've just been so generous but I'd ask that we could take it with us. It is yours. What's ours? Red says as he's like yanking this tapestry <laughs> down and like rolling it up and like shoving it into the bag. Well, it's not a tapestry. Well, so that's his, the thing. he's pulling a tapestry. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> no, no, not that not one, Red. Not that one. It's the next thing. <laughs> what? Okay. He walks over to like another old tapestry and pulls it down and rolls it up. Mm. There's like there's like a corpse. Like a wall of wrapped, 75 tapestries. There's a corpse that's like in funerary wrappings and Red just like unrolls the corpse to take off yeah, the yeah. fabric. <laughs> All the bones just go flying over the pride rock thing. And that's mine and that's mine. Um, Yeah. So at the back of this cave, there is... A crescent-shaped gong in a crude stone frame. Mm. It's a circular disc 
13 feet in diameter, so it's a big thing. It's a circular disc that was broken at some time, it looks like. Now it's missing a large piece, so crescent-shaped. What remains of it is probably just north of 200 pounds. Whoa. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's very curious construction. Say, Jack, ask your brain friend if we can ring it. I I don't know that I want to ask any more of this. Maybe once we get it away from here. Yeah, 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 just ask it. Red walks over and looks at the big gong. I think while you guys are having this discussion, Doran kind of walks up and analyzes the... Because it's stone entirely or just the outer rim is stone? The face of this artifact is made of red dragon scales. You see now just by Uh. approaching and examining it closely. And the scales seem to be bolted to this copper frame underneath. And the rim of it is stone frame. Hmm. And that's what I'd like to roll the stone cunning on. Sure. To see. That's going to be a 19. Yeah, this is worked stone. Its origin is difficult for you to piece together, but it looks like it's probably uh, something that you would actually recognize quite well. This is an ancient giant-sized shield Mm. that was broken in battle. You would expect that on the rear of this piece, maybe there would even be some arm straps. Doran steps up as Jack is mumbling to his ghost people world and um, runs his hand along the edge of the piece. And he says out loud, this was a, a giant's shield. It's been broken. And then as he steps around back, he does see, you know, an arm strap. Mm-hmm. One of them is maybe long gone, but there's another that's warped by ice and time. Leather. Do you strike the gong, Red? Look, we have a new democratic process here. Let's vote. Who would like me to ring it? And Red raises his hand. Quailoth raises his hand. <laughs> Looks around. It's on you two. Jack abstains. It's on you, Doran. Doran's not paying any attention, really, to the, the fact just that you want to ring it. feeling the, the red dragon scales. He's really, he's really into the, the workmanship. Hey, Doran, raise your hand for a second. <laughs> his hand goes up the edge of the stone, and you take that as him raising his hand. All right! And Red does a roundhouse kick and rings it with his foot. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> tone of this gong echoes through the cavern and causes a few large icicles to break away from the ceiling and crash down onto the icy floor, causing no damage to the people below, but uh, maybe a couple of folks shout, sorry, worth it. All right. uh, How are we going to get this thing out of here? Giant Doran ape? If we use the rod of the Vonendad, do you think we could find the other half? Mm, We could. You think it's around here? It might be. But isn't the Ron and Vonnegut only... Uh, <laughs> what was that, Torrent? The what? Doesn't it only uh, find... Doesn't Kurt Vonnegut... An- that Anatonium or whatever that... that, that it's is. Adamantium. Adamantium. Jesus, where are you? You're a, you're a blacksmith this is, once. But this is made of copper and... and Unobtainium. So the Rod of the Vonnegut is particularly good at finding adamantium objects. It has a much extended range, but it's still good at finding... Oh things that you are specifically looking for and knowing the other half of the shield exists we could forget we could look for that i mean i i forgive 
forgive you. It's certainly a forgetting about that a um, nuanced piece of magic. But what on earth would it look like, Jack? We only have half of the shield. Well, as long as we can get it onto the airship, there's no reason why we can't leave it up there. We don't need to stuff it all in the bag of holding. I don't want to do bag of holding. I think we should do ape door to get this This is thing. 13 feet in diameter. We're yes. not going to fit oh, it in the bag. I think it'd be funnier to have like a big ape trying to get it on top of the airship. I think we just roll it down the ramp. <laughs> like a toboggan? Right out the front door. <laughs> we could levitate it out. Good. Yeah, but the yeah, giant ape. Like, giant ape is also great. Giant ape's fun. Imagine him climbing down the side of the wall of ice. It's hilarious. And them just seeing this giant ape. <laughs> I'm curious about the other half. Just because there was two halves of the mask that were there that we needed both of. Why don't we use the, the rod on the airship? What, it might be like right here, though. Like it. Oh, yeah, maybe it is. Okay. Like it, the, the other half of the mask was just buried two feet deeper than the first one. Oh, okay. In that case, yeah. <laughs> it will take someone an hour to attune, but you can definitely go for it, right? We have an hour to be up here and be spiritual. We just okay. communed with their fucking dragon god and, and had an orgasm because we got blessed. It's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, no one had an orgasm but you, Jack. We all standing here having to watch awkwardly. So awkward. I'm sorry that it's cold for you guys up here and I'm <laughs> I didn't like your O face. It made me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> while you're uh while you're attuning, uh Doran, why don't you give me a hand just getting this down? Yeah. Mm, we should be able to right. do it the two of us. And I'll get some of these tapestries. <laughs> <laughs> Doran, like, uh, using your hand as a step, he climbs and stands on your shoulders, as we have done before. And oh, yeah. easily yeah. slices the rope that's holding the piece up. It just slides down. Yeah. I got it. I got it. I'll jump on the other side. Don't let it tip over. <laughs> yeah. Did you have to wear your cleats today? Well, it is ice in here. Sorry, I, for, I forgot about that. Plato. But your armor's your armor's strong and thick. It's battle cleats. Uh, I guess uh. so. You're gonna have to hammer out those things, though. You know I will. Let's see if we should roll it down the uh, ramp here. Which way are we rolling it? Well, well, hold on. Maybe you should get off my shoulders before we try rolling. Oh it. yeah, I'm. Doran jumps down and, and runs to the round to the other side so it doesn't tip the other way. <sighs> and Red's like, all right, all right. He walks over, and rather than helping, he just rings the gong again. Boom. <laughs> More icicles. <laughs> <laughs> 200 piercing damage. Kraloth is down. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's a TPK. Diamonds are mine. <laughs> Diamond uh, <it>, cream. Yeah. <laughs> An hour later, Jack attunes to the rod of the Vonendod, and you're looking for the, the second piece of this. Yeah, he, he carefully pictures what he imagines the other piece of the shield should look like and um, uses the power of the rod and the down and, uh, rod of the Vonendod to see if it's within a thousand feet of us. Unlike with the mask. There does not appear to be a complementary piece of this artifact. Yeah, I, I think uh, feeling satisfied, he thanks silently Elrem for for their blessing and the the time spent up here, and starts to like pack up, kind of kind of solemnly, like as respectful as he can be, looking at the shenanigans of his of his friends. <laughs> While that's going on, I feel like Kraloth and Dorn are, are not even thinking about either the giant ape or the or levitate. We're like yeah. rope and he's like throwing it through the broken part so that we can like roll it slowly down this slope. Yeah, if we like, both hold it hold the rope together, yeah. we should be able to inch it down. Lower it down bit by bit. Red's just leaning against a snow pile eating an apple watching. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not gonna do it that way. Mm-mm. Just like commenting shittily every once in a while. Oh, you almost got it, Dorit. 
Yeah. <laughs> and like where they sweat beads. We're like about to let this thing start to go down. We had like 18 ropes and it's like tied around my waist and tied around this. It's got a little whole lever action. Oh, yeah, you got stone. it. You got the weight. You're so good. It, it, it might start swinging at some point, Doran. So, so make sure you, you got to be prepared for that. You got to be yeah. prepared, all right? Yeah, well, uh, why did I tie myself to this again? Now, now the questions are starting to go through Doran's mind. <laughs> And the gong just, it descends properly for the first two thirds. And then for the last 20 feet, one of the rope snaps and it like pivots and starts to swing a little bit. And Doran, maybe you're like pulled <gasps> off of the, the ledge yeah. as you're like yeah. tied to this gong for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, and it's, it's going to go. It's going to go. And then I'm going to go. And then there's someone down. I'm just picturing like two people. Down there, just like, and these are the people that are going to save the world. (laughs) And then I picture it's like about to fall, and one of you performs a levitate, and it just like, oh, I'll do it. Someone does it. it. Oh, oh, God, it's gonna. And then, nope, Jack's just like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Bye, Doran. I thought you just said you were gonna do it, right? I don't have he levitate. Just, the I was only being one facetious. Like, is- <laughs> I was, I was joking because no one has it, but, but Jack. And that's only if he's prepared it. Uh, I do have it prepared because it's oh, okay. Thank God. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I Jack, just- you got this right, and he's like, nope. Huh? Just looking at tapestry. Jack comes over after after his respectful moment. Um, you know, is trying to hand this like hundred pound rod off to off to Red to go back in the the bag of storing, and then like shit starts to go south. The ropes are breaking. Doran's flung off the edge for a second, and just as he's about to leave that sixty feet away from Jack, uh, he's able to you know whip out his wand, flick and a swish, cast a spell, and Doran starts to grow and grow and grow until Doran's like feet hit the ground. And he's able to catch the thing as as a, a very giant ape-like Doran. Yeah! And Doran lifts the shield above his head and kind of <laughs> exclaims, you know, He's got it. <laughs> and all of the people Worm start tribe running and <laughs> flee into the caverns. Yeah. He puts the, Doran puts the shield on his arm with at least the one strap that's still there and begins to carry it out of the cave, leading the. Uh, sure. Cool. Foursome. Before you leave, Andazar Thazor hobbles over. Leaving so soon. Where are you off to next? <laughs> well, next we're uh, heading a little bit south, I think. Uh, East-south-east-ish. We're going to another one of these cool barbarian mounds. You're welcome to come if you want. Oh, well, that would that would be marvelous, frankly. What what manner of transportation do you employ? A uh, cult boat. Um, <laughs> beg your pardon? It's a, it's a f- dragon's airship. Yeah, based on the cult of the red dragon Clouth. Uh, it's a cult airboat. Well, it's a uh, yeah. We're, we feel con- we feel exactly that conflicted about it. Yeah, I don't. It's marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> Doran, you're not an ape anymore. No. <laughs> Doran's like pointing at the sky. And... He's just really enjoying <laughs> feeling like an ape. So uh, we'd love to have you along if if you'd like. Absolutely, uh, sure. I would greatly appreciate that. 
Well, that sounds wonderful. I would greatly appreciate the chance to travel with adventurers such as yourselves. How well. Equipped with a flying machine, you say. And it would make easy my path. Well, perfect. Is there a specific place you're going to, or just kind of middling about? I'm headed to Everland next, I'm hoping, but I'm happy to be dropped anywhere south of the spine. Jack hates Everland, so... Oh, you do? It's a long story, I, you know... Well, we'll have a long trip for the story. Yeah. Lots of time for for the telling of tales and such. Yes, c- yeah. come on, our, our, our ape is getting away from us. Doran! I'll just collect my things and and say some goodbyes. Such lovely people. I'll, I'll catch up with you in just, just a moment. Mm-hmm. He scuttles off into the darkness. Kieran, come on. Woof! Woof. Don't give me that. <laughs> we have to go. Woof! So you signal the airship, it lets down its ladders for ascent. Endazar hobbles once in a circle around his walking stick and this golden lattice springs forth. It weaves itself into a reclining chair and he just gets in. And he's gently levitated up alongside the ladder. Holy shit, Jack! That's a wizard! (laughs) No, (laughs) that's not what this guy's for. <laughs> you want to see how to be a wizard, Jack? This is how you fucking wizard. No, I just love the idea. Like it's so ostentatious. Is that yeah, the word? It's yeah. so like over flamboyant. The top. Yeah, mm-hmm. that it's just kind of funny to think that that's sort of. Like, oh yeah. No, 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 Red. That's an anthropologist for you. <laughs> it kind of makes sense in a way. You know, you got this really old guy that like can't yeah. do that anymore and, his... and isn't adventure adventuring so like what else do most you do of with his your spell slots are about like accessibility yeah <laughs> make font bigger level four <laughs> <laughs> i think it shows his character though that he's like he's like oh like That's oh awesome. I, I wouldn't mind like maybe i'll maybe yeah i'll join you and then he's just so comfortable with oh, like okay i'm just gonna sit back and uh enjoy this That's airship great. ride I know you said it's like a gold. I'm picturing like a lazy boy recliner, though. Yeah, it's but a not even like chair. a fresh one, like an old smoke covered one. You know, like in someone's house, the Homer Simpson recliner. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Red climbs up as well. So this like two ton great ape holding a two hundred pound shield grabs hold of the ladder, and <laughs> oh no, the airship. The airship starts to tilt a little bit, and you hear like, some whirring deep within the ship as it's trying to regain its balance. Someone from the, the deck of the ship like looks over and starts yelling something you can't hear, but... It's okay. Increase the hot air. I love the idea that maybe the the old wizard like levitates it and like brings it up the rest of the way for us. He's like, I mean? well, I'm an NPC. I don't have to worry about spell slots. Here we go. <laughs> We get it up. You'd crash it. You pull it down like a helium balloon, put the shield on top. <laughs> that That's it right. King Kong style. I love that he pulls it down, puts it on top, and Jack dismisses the spell so the thing floats up and Doran gets smaller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> while hanging onto the, the ladder. Too. <laughs> oh my God. That's not what Doran says. You went too far past. You got him too small. (laughs) Pocket-sized Doran. There's like a moment where it's like real. Sorry, sorry, Doran. Can polymorph make him smaller too? Well, he can. Yeah. Do you have enlarge, reduce? I don't. That'd be good too. Uh, Next time. I want pocket-sized Doran. Mm -hmm. So once again, Klauth's airship carries you on your whims. 
the crew of cultists masterfully steering and maintaining the ship according to its needs. And we spend some days traveling through the air once more, and Dazar has created a corner to himself below decks, stringing an illusory curtain from the ceiling for privacy. He's almost always found in the galley beside the stove to keep warm. He's reading or writing all the time, and sometimes curiously muttering into the stove itself. I love the idea that, you know, at certain times you can see Red sitting on a stool across from this man, you know, shale on his lap, and they're sort of talking deeply, maybe even indraconic at times, you know, Red sort of getting to bounce ideas off of him. But, you know, to listen in, the ideas are always weird, kind of silly, different ideas that Red has about, like, dreams and, and what wizards actually are. It's always the same nonsense that you've seen, but Red does seem sort of excited to distance himself from the other three for some reason. And I think that no matter what the conversation, Anduzar is is willing to get as strange and esoteric as your logic may require, whether or not it actually makes sense to his worldview. He's, like, very willing to, like, do thought experiments sort of deal. Maybe he and Red bond over the fact that he knows about Mastica. Maybe he's been there even, you know? And he's like, oh, and the purple trees, the purple trees. Oh, yes. Uh, this time of year, I believe they're just just losing their bloom. Yes, yeah, you get it. See, you get it. He gets a Kraloth. Oh, oh it's so nice to talk about the, the crazy things that I miss over there, you know? It's been so long. Kraloth is just cooking in the kitchen. And preparing a nice meal. What's your favorite type of food there, uh, Endazar? Oh, I'm not really one for the culinary delights. I usually just eat whatever is in in front of me. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I do like comfort food, so anything warm is... Honey crowns? Honey crowns? You have to miss the honey crowns. I, I, I do. I mm. am partial. Oh, a fresh one plucked right off the plant. Oh, nothing is better. But the porridge that is made from the honey oh, crown, yes. I am quite fond of. Mm. Yes, with nafl root on top. Oh, wonderful. I don't have any honey crowns uh, with me right now, but uh, if I ever go to Mastica, I'll definitely be sure to harvest some. Uh, I'll take you there one day, friend, when all this is over. Oh, I would love to go. It sounds fantastic. I'm imagining Jack, like, spying this pile of books. <laughs> oh, beside... there's been spying on. Like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, like in Les Mis, you door. know, like, Giff, where he, like, leans out, watches, and leans back. Jack, it's past your bedtime. <laughs> Jack is also in line for, like, a moment with, with the new wizard on board and, you know, on, on the sense of, like... The, while you know he's this guy's also clearly got <laughs> sensibilities very aligned with the sorts of thing Jack's interested in, but he's trying not to like stomp on Red's new friendship either. Is there any competition though? I can kind of picture him be like, "You got, you got Mold Earth, yeah. You got, uh, I, I mean, restoration. <laughs> hey, you got, you got, uh, you got Shield. Okay. I, I, I mean, I, I, Jack's happy to sit by the fire. We've we picked up this damaged book from the Aerialist's Tower, and I think one of amongst learning the the flute, Jack is also trying to just like repair this old interesting book and has his own interesting books of of things out and around, and just trying to see if like I can be interesting too. We'll we'll see what this guy cares about, and I'm just doing if, nothing if over here. If you've got books, <laughs> if you've got books out for the loaning, Endazar is greedy for them. Yeah, I, he's like, oh, oh. So, if you're done with this, what I've never read, the what 
you you might not have read a lot of these. We recovered them from this Netherese tomb. They've been buried. They're they're original Netherese texts from a wizard's tower. They they're incredible. I even just uh, read. You've got that one I lent you about the illusions, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Of course I do. The you know the copy of Ajamar's Guide to the Fantastic that I lent you. That um you know that was oh. was. Red reaches in the bag of holding, you hear like things breaking, and he pulls it out. And there's like Oof. jam on the cover, and he like wipes it off, and he's like, ah, it's a bit of sticky. Endosar actually takes the book, and he's like, this is a. Uh... This is exactly like the books you've read in school, but it's kind of got this interesting, lighthearted tone. Like, I, I, I never had a book that was so. I found it very accessible. And it's got jam on it. It does have jam, yes. Uh, well, if you don't mind, I would love to spend some time with this particular book. We've got some time while we're while we're we're flying here. I'm happy to loan it out, you know, and maybe there's some some other things we could teach each other. I don't know if if you I've developed a couple of interesting spells in my travels. I don't know if that's of interest. Or... He he gives you kind of a vague nod. <laughs> Kraloth actually, you know, looks over and sees some of those books and says, "I uh you wouldn't happen to have any Cooking recipes. You come across any of the travels? I, I I imagine you haven't tried them since since you don't. Uh... It doesn't stick in my mind as such. Hmm. But uh, if you'd like uh, this book here, I do recall having some very interesting descriptions of campfire food. Hmm. And he hands you a copy of the compiled histories of the highwayman: true and honest accounts. Hmm. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, I'll take a look at it. Thank you very much. Of course. Doran, your turn. <laughs> I push him up to the wizard. <laughs> Doran doesn't really... And for you, I have the greatest gift of all. Bum blush concealer. Well, Doran sort of sits, and he's um, a little solemn. He smokes a cigarette, and he has his notebook out in front of him. But, you know, if you're watching Doran from afar, you see that he's got the book out and open in front of him, but he stares past the book at the ground, sort of his own thoughts. Mm-hmm. And Azar is also in the galley with Kraloth and Doran. And he is staring deep into the flames, similar to Doran, kind of enjoying a bit of old man quiet. <laughs> and then he turns to the two of you and he says, the creature... In there is mm. uh, Sendis, the, the trapped inside the furnace. They're named Sendis, a uh, fire elemental. Do you speak elemental? Maybe that's what jars Doran's out of his deep thought, and he looks over across the stove at the wizard and he says, Are you talking to someone in the stove? Uh, I am not speaking back, but it is none too pleased at having been bound inside the airship. Yes, there is a creature inside. There, There's something angry stuck inside this stove. Have you never forged on a stove powered by a fire elemental? I suppose not, but you would have noticed there is no fuel aboard, I'm sure. Although well, your attentions seem to be gathered elsewhere, Master Dwarf, if you don't mind me saying so. Yeah, um, it's, uh, you're right. I, I, I hadn't, hadn't even noticed that nobody stoked the fire, and I, 
I didn't I didn't ever consider and I don't think I've ever forged on a what is it some sort of demon or it's it's a, a fire elemental oh it's currently detailing for me the destruction they will wreak upon us all should they ever be freed <laughs> servitude rarely improves one's mental or emotional state and and this is no different not terribly forward thinking to be honest to be uh so free about the consequence that they would offer us, but here we are. Sendis keeps this air shift aloft and, and warm and fed. Dorian kind of looks at uh, Kraloth. Well, that's uh, interesting. Have you, have you ever cooked on a fire-end elemental, Kraloth? Can't say that I have, but I will say that uh, Sendis is keeping this pork belly really evenly cooked. <laughs> the ethical implications of this are rather questionable. I would tend to agree, yeah. If you were able to hear his threats, perhaps you would feel differently. Uh, Yes, and he peeks into the grate of the furnace through which you can see angry tendrils of flame. Yes, thank you, Sendis. I'm afraid there will be no burning to a crisp today. Yeah. There is a second elemental aboard as well. An air elemental named Cyclonius, who governs the propulsion of the craft. Similarly to Sandus, Cyclonius also is promising our swift demise. How do they keep them in line? Is there, is there some sort of wizard here? Dragon magic? I am no dragon expert, but I would presume that, yes, Clouth's power would keep these creatures in check. I have no real experience with dragons. In fact, I credit my long years partly to staying out of their way. No desire to be fried to a crisp. Yeah, That makes two of us. But I can tell you, they're uh, certainly an impressive creature. I may not like them, but I can respect what they do and what they stand for. And here we have it. Uh, Some cardamom spiced pork belly with green beans and a nice side of potato mash. Mm. Oh, it smells absolutely delightful, Kraloth. It's it's wonderful what you can do with food. Hey, don't thank me. Thanks, Sendis. Oh, well, yes. Shall we eat? Mm-hmm. It gets late. Everyone enjoys their dinner. And as we are all falling asleep, maybe we share some stories together. And after a time, Endazar shares one of his. He says, Stories are dangerous things. A misplaced tale here or there can enter the wrong ear. Perhaps set a catastrophe into motion. All it takes is a word to inspire avarice or to ignite the glorious flame of passion. I have always been lured and seduced by stories. Perhaps you, Doran, have heard of the Fallen Lands, for they unspool from the rocky ground not far from your home in the Grey Peak Mountains. I traveled there myself, or should I say, thanks to my mount, a chestnut mare named Shera, one of the most loyal creatures I've ever met. The Fallen Lands called to me because I'd never been, and having found myself in loud water for a time, where I'd been conspiring with a botanist friend of mine, I made up my mind to see for myself if the stories were true. Picture me, 
perhaps 50 years younger than I am today, astride the lovely Shara. The fallen lands feature in places a carpet of tall grass, nearly to Shara's belly. At times I drag my feet through them in the afternoon, churning up a cloud of grasshoppers. On the hillsides, poking up like a rare island in this sea of grassland, dark stonework ruins occasionally hint at the land's history. I nearly brained myself on a piece of one as I sat down for the night. It's said in the stories that these lands were one time a part of an ancient realm of sages and magicians. Netherese, Jack. And I found that after dark the grasses were home to strange motes of light, odd after effects and illusions, like a memory of a spell long dissolved. At the lighting of the campfire one night, I conjured the flame, as usual, just so, and he produces a flame on his hand that brilliantly illuminates the cabin of the airship, only to find Shara and myself shrunk down to the size of a house cat, or smaller, in the wavering grass. Courageous Shara allowed me to ride her to the safety atop a fallen tree somewhere nearby, and we looked at the stars together until we regained our regular stature. I'd say ten minutes or so. Faerun holds many surprises, my young friends, as it did for Shara and me that night. And I hope that you all can find some glory on your way. It's a good thought on stories. Stories certainly can jar certain feelings. Speak, dwarf. Sorry, I feel like that's demeaning. Maybe you could just call him Doran. You know, <laughs> that's his name. I'm not calling you, hey, man. I am sorry. I don't mean to be reductive. No, 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 no. It's okay. I, uh, well, I mean, I just, I guess I'm just, you know, there are lots of stories to be told, and I guess one part of me thinks, why tell stories? Just live in the moment. Forget about the past. There's always better things coming in the future. Right? Uh, right. I hope course. so. Yes. Uh, no sense in dredging up the past to an extent. I mean, of course, us tabaxis uh, have tons of stories, but I, I wouldn't want to no bore you all with them. Well. Oh, please, Red. I would, I would love to hear something from your uh, repertoire. Well, uh, I suppose I could do a quick one, one that maybe they've never heard before. Twelve hours later. <laughs> um, fair enough. This is a tale of the Hellwalker. It's a tale of tabaxi culture, uh, about a, a tabaxi that passed away and entered the realm of, of dreams and, and death and, and fire. He, he walked across the Solomon Plains, uh, flatlands in the north of, of where you go when you pass away. They say the grounds are so hot, they, they sear your flesh or your fur. It sticks to the bottom of your, your skin. It could light a wooden torch with merely touching the wood to it. The ground, they say, which was once sand, has been turned to glass, as black as cindered bone. And a town lies on the edge of this field, a town called Hope. But it's rarely one to cross alone. You're meant to enter this world 
with friends, but uh, he he crossed it. This this Hellwalker. He was a humble traveler, and uh, and his power, you know, to carry him forward was immeasurable. He said his bones were made of stone because no matter the pain, he he didn't stop. He kept pushing forward until he reached the end of the plains. The the edge of the glass-like land, having seared the bottom of his flesh, and arriving at hope. It's sort of a story about persevering through even the darkest times. Uh, no matter how terrible the pain, no matter how tragic uh, what might befall you, it, it's about always pushing forward, for hope lies on the edge of any fiery desert. That's quite beautiful, Red. Well, it's, a, it's just a story. And I think it goes to show, contrary to Doran's assertion, that there is value in storytelling, that we can learn from this oral tradition, even if the stories are hyperbolic, shall we say. <laughs> or is this meant to be a true telling, Red? You know, when I was younger, I believed it was a true telling, but now I, I not so much. I think the moral is what's meant to ring through. I like it very much. Thank you. Anyone else have a tail? Well, mine got cut off, as I said, but... How'd that happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I would never tell anybody. He winks at Doran. Ah. <laughs> well, I, I suppose that's it for me. Uh, it's been wonderful having you along with us. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, good meal, Kraloff. And good night, mm. friends. And Red heads off to his bunk. There's just the sound of farts underneath the covers lulling. Yeah. <laughs> the creaking. The yeah, it's the creaking of the, of the book. Okay. <laughs> Beautiful ambience. I love that. Good night, Doran. Good night. <laughs> Once again to our wonderful Patreon supporters, Christopher Ryan Evans, Merlin, Mitchell Cadwell, Ashley and JB, Michael and Brianna Weber, Colin Burkhart, Daniel, Doug, Jessica Orrit, Jonah Goldman, and Mari Kaneski. See you soon! Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.